The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. I'm Toby Manhai, welcoming you back to Gone by Lunchtime in 2020, which is election year, Annabelle Lee Mather. How does it feel? Um, like it went really, really quickly. Um, the, Both the summer and the election cycle. Right. Mm. How was summer, more importantly? Summer was amazing. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm quite brown. You, you Looking look, you very look stunning. Itahu. Stunning. Much, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> much like Ben Thomas, who has a massive jar of water. He's like a, um, he looks a bit like Winnie the Pooh with his big jar of honey. I'm hydrating. Um, how I'm was your summer, diet. Ben? Mm. Um, I'm, I'm drinking lots of water and I'm smoking twice my normal amount to keep my appetite down. Oh, um, he's a true young putty putty. I'm, 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 I'm on my way to a healthier lifestyle. Um, and you've it's spent the summer. Diet. I assume Ben, you've spent the summer just going into bookshops and turning around books. I believe that's the the thing to do. Let, let, left no bookstore unturned, no warehouse bargain bin sale. Um, just where, wherever I see the smiling face of our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, I'm just driven by a compulsion. Be beyond desire or urgency or need to just like turn it face down or around. To explain uh, what Ben is talking about, uh, for those of you who have interesting and fulfilling lives, there was over that was it sort of around the Christmas period or before Christmas. Before. There was a campaign of some some people on Twitter to turn, turn around the, the Michelle Duff book about uh, Jacinda Ardern. And the Australian Women's Weekly, I think. With mm. this, this is because the Prime Minister's Hashtag eyes follow you around yes. the room, right? You know, so obviously they felt a bit nervous. <laughs> they, just, yeah. they they feel unsafe in Unity Books, yes. and are just like keep it to yourself, PM. I'm not sure that Unity Books was necessarily a hotbed of Turner Dern, but um, did you manage to? I feel turn? like it's more of a Dimmicks thing, isn't it? Dimmicks. That's Does where Dimmicks you'd still go exist? to Turner Dern or oh, yeah. Whitcalls. Not really Unity. Maybe Paper Plus. All good bookshops, especially good bookshop is Unity Books, um, who support our book section. And listeners, Flick Electric, who don't sell books but do sell power, including to you. Uh, You can look at um, Flick by clicking through on any post in the politics section. Hard to read a book in the dark. Uh, Well, beautiful. 
Oh, that's beautiful. Have another have another jar of water. <laughs> um, the book theme <sighs> is a kind of big one um, because we've got books coming this year from some of New Zealand's leading political razor-sharp minds, mm. including Golders Garaman of the Greens, Judith Collins of the National Party, and... Madeline Chapman mm-hmm. of the spin-off, who is um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a wonderful throwback to the old days, uh, recording and sound engineering and producing and, um, uh, you know, very much conducting this podcast, aren't it you, It says a lot about Mad that, like, even though she's now New Zealand's foremost author, she mm. still has time for, right. for, for, for little, the little people, people like us. It's so cool. It's Mad, what did, you, what did you tell me about your memories of when you used to produce Gone By Lunchtime? <laughs> um, I said it's, it's, we've come a long way from 2016 when I literally fell asleep a couple times <laughs> while recording <laughs> because I had no idea what you were talking about or who you were talking about and now here I am. In many, in many ways our representative listener. Mm. Um, and now you have managed to write a book entirely based on what you've learned from <laughs> Gone By Lunchtime. <laughs> is, that, is that true? I did listen to quite a few Gone By Lunchtimes uh, in my research. Um, for it, for timeline purposes. Oh, just for time, just <laughs> just so, so for chronology, not for any, uh, not for like insights or. No, I don't believe I quoted anyone. Annabelle Thomas, Annabelle Ben's analysis. Oh. I don't know if you're bound by any kind of embargoes. So just if you if you want to just drop heavy hints rather than answer this directly, do you have an entire chapter on Jacinda Ardern's primary school happy club? I do not. Hmm. Because unfortunately, um, my investigative skills are not that great when it comes to investigating primary school social clubs. Interesting that they've gone to ground. Could probably help you with that, Matt. Did you? You did. You did go to Morrinsville, though. We should say. We should say. I suppose um, that your book is a biography of Mm. Jacinda Ardern. Yes. What's the What's the full name of the book? Uh, I believe it is Jacinda Ardern. Colon, mm-hmm. all written out, mm. a new kind of leader. Mm. Hey, you might want to include this in the book. I, I went to Morrinsville once. Go on. And they, they have, <laughs> it's a great story. It's, it's a good it start, might, right? It might just have to be a footnote. Okay, well, a little bit more. That, I mean, mm. not a chapter, but maybe a paragraph or two. Mm. And they've got two knitting shops in the main street. And at the second hand shop, they had a beautiful portrait of Rachel Hunter. <laughs> that went one. in so many different directions <laughs> that I did not anticipate. What do you, what do you mean a portrait? Like, do you like mean a, knitted, had, a knitted cable no, jersey? Or? No, someone had painted like a beautiful picture of oh, so Rachel Hunter. Sale, it, it was, was for just, sale oh. at the second hand shop. Trumpet Winnie ad Bucker, era? Like, Winnie Bucker. Or um, I Rod think Stewart a little bit era. maybe early Rod days. Early Still Rod. curly, mm. but no so trumpet. You me- so you mentioned the second hand store. Mm-hmm. Does that have anything to do with the two knitting stores? Or were those, that's a separate, <laughs> separate, <laughs> separate, 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 separate fact. But two. Okay, okay. okay. Well, it might be two, two, two. That's paragraph one. Knitting shops. 
paragraph. And then completely so, separate yeah, of that, yeah. but second hand store yeah. with a portrait of yeah. Rachel Hunter. Yeah. Even further removed place. from that, the life of Jacinda Ardern, our current yes. Prime Minister. Who worked in, what she worked in, Fish and Chip Show? Was it the same street? Yes, she did. Probably. Yeah, there you go. So Her mum probably really. visited well, that's that like, knitting store. That's your kind of New, York, New Yorker style intro then, isn't it? <laughs> That um, the Rachel Hunter start with start with Rachel Hunter. Mm, We've got a lot picture. of notes for the manuscript. Yeah. You'd man. think Rachel Hunter would be the most exciting thing about Morrisville. Yes, but exactly. then, mm. um, uh, when is Gifted the book out, Matt? When's the book out? The book is out on the thirty first of March, which means you can buy it on April Fools, which I think is very fitting <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to. Um, turning my books back around yeah. after, after others have, well, it's kind of, have it's, I mean it, is, it has been a very helpful promotional thing I mean admittedly only to the 700 people who are aware of it but you know you need to come I think you need to take it up a notch maybe come up with what could it be turn upside down or, or maybe stand them up like if they're lying down stand them up stand all of them up mm. yeah what about buy our dirt like buy the book and give it to somebody as a protest against the evil communist coalition. I would, look, I would promote anything that would maybe result in someone buying the book, whether they read it or not. Because well, that, obviously Jacinda Ardern is a terrible communist. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so the best way to fight the evils of communism is mm. capitalism. Mm-hmm. So buy the book. The commercialisation of it, yeah. As, as to re- modify her, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. As, as retired columnist Liam here would say, you know, really own the lib by buying mm-hmm. the book. Shout out to Liam. Um, we, we'll try to get him on the podcast at some point. He is owning so many libtards. Yeah. I mean, you just can't, you can't shout out He's to... Got the uh, biggest portfolio of libs in New Zealand, probably. The, um, the leading, leading pundit, pundit, pundit of the, um, pundit of the uh, Manawatu region, and most of the North Island. I think we'll give him the bottom lower north... Lower, the bottom two thirds. Yep. Um, so, the other books, just quickly, other books, we'll stay on books. Um, Judith Collins' book is said to be coming out in a couple of months. Uh, uh, what's that about? Do you think that? Do you, I mean, a lot of you, speculation. <laughs> it's going to be a powerful story of one, you know, of a true New Zealand journey from farm to. The ninth floor of the Beehive? I don't know. what T- Total speculation, but I think people will be disappointed if they think that it's going to be a score-settling tell-all um, or, if, or that they think it's just going to be a sort of bland kind of story. I suspect it'll be, yeah, what, what you say, that it'll be a kind of repositioning, you know, t- telling events from her side there. You know, there's actually a few chapters in um, Collins's career where... You know, she has sort of, you know, told told her side of the story and emerged much more sympathetic as a result. I think she did a Woman's Day story once after she had just mercilessly driven David Benson Pope out of Parliament mm. um, with accusations that he was like a him. child child bully. Um, <clears> and then, you know, she, she did a very humanising piece in the Woman's Day. She is very capable of... Um, surprising people I think with her emotional depth um, mm. if you recall that there's a really interesting um, two-piece interview that uh, Simon Wilson did with Jacinda Ardern and with Judith Collins um, mm. which again surprised a lot of people she's she's got depths that often don't show in public because she is so good at kind of projecting this you know Thatcher-esque sort of crusher persona um, but I, I actually think it'll be a really really interesting read and, and probably the second best political book that comes out this year after Mads 
Um, what do you what, what do you what do you think, Annabelle? The surely publishing a book, someone who's widely seen as a leadership contender who stood for mm. leadership before, who you know obviously covets the highest job in New Zealand politics, to publish a book in election year mm. feels it's hard to read that as anything but slightly destabilizing. Well, it makes you think that, you know, obviously she's trying to reposition herself and show a different side of herself. And I think, like you say, Ben, um, people will be surprised that it shows that despite her hard-ass image that she has a heart. And the only reason you'd put that out at this time instead of waiting until, I don't know, maybe you've left Parliament and retired, would be if, you know, you still harbour um, ambitions of perhaps becoming the leader, but you know that you've got some work to do in terms of um, the public perception of you. Yeah, Just th- guessing. I'm just yeah, guessing. I think that's probably Make right. The, the other thing to think, though, is that when, um, <coughs> when Collins was a minister and she was... Um, she was demoted. Um, mm. She resigned as a minister. Inverted quotes. Um, she she kept very busy. You know, she went and enrolled in a postgrad di- diploma at Massey University, mm. which she completed with an A plus average recently, this wow. later last year. And in opposition, you know, somebody who's sort of that, you know, normally that busy and that kind of I guess type A personality was probably really looking for things to do. She she released one of the most impressive, I think. Um, policy discussion documents um, from National's raft of them last year, which was the RMA one. And, you know, it could just be that she needed something to keep her busy, you know, while, while <laughs> maybe holding Phil Twyford to account wasn't uh, taking up that much How of time. How do you think it'll be seen <laughs> in the party, though, like, to be releasing a book while you're still in Parliament heading into election year? I think it'll depend on the content, but... Um, I, I don't think it'll tread on too many fond memories or anything. Or it sort of depends how things go. I mean, you, I think, I think, I think <clears throat> excuse me, not that long ago when Simon Bridges was looking very vulnerable and we were talking on this podcast a lot about whether or not Judith Collins was timing a run nicely, then we would say, well, this is a, if, if, if he was looking vulnerable, mm. we would say, but it sort of speaks to uh, the reality that he has sort of stabilised his leadership you know, there is no real talk of any seriousness at the moment of a leadership challenge from within the National Caucus that this is seen sort of for the moment as a kind of novelty or, or mm. entertainment rather than as a... Um, uh, the the other book, um, and uh, everyone listen carefully to this delicious segue, is Facebook, and uh, that has... <coughs> Thank you. That has uh, come into focus with the the sort of the sort of first kind of political set piece of the year, which is the Labour Party's now recently. I mean, they've done it for a wee while now. The um, their their Martinborough retreat, the 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 the, the camp. They sort of get together at the the caucus and blow up a bouncy slide. Bouncy slide. I think they play. They probably. I don't know this for fact. Probably play bore on the floor, which Watchers of Succession will be familiar with. Um, uh, just me, and at that uh, retreat, Jacinda Ardern announced that she would be running a 
positive, factual and robust campaign and announced that Labour were indeed signing up to the Facebook transparency tool, the ad library, which allows people to essentially see uh, to who you're targeting with your ads on Facebook um, and roughly how much you're spending, but not, crucially, uh, any scrutiny of the factual content. Yet uh, there has been much talk about this idea of... Uh, in the current climate of misinformation, disinformation, Facebook, fake news, blah, 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 that Labour are going to be positive and truthful and uh, National are going to be uh, disingenuous and, and mendacious. And, and um, that's already become incredibly boring <laughs> in terms of the way it's, it's... I don't know. It's already the kind of attack has reached a metal level where no one is really talking about anything except whether or not something is true. And it's kind of... It doesn't bode terribly well, does it, Ben? Yeah, it was a good strategy from the government. Um, they you know, want a positive fact-based campaign. They, of course, want a positive campaign because they want to be able to portray any criticism of the government as negative. And in the same way that George W. Bush wanted to portray any criticism of the Iraq war as unpatriotic. Um, it gives you a good sort of bulwark against, you know, any kind of reasonable criticism that comes up. Wow, amazing and, analogy. And and you and and, and of course it's playing to Jacinda Ardern's strengths. She is very positive. You know, people think very well towards her. People are willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's very charismatic. She has very high stats in terms of likability. So it's, you know, it's obvious that they would want to, um, you know, run on on that issue. Fact based is mm, that's a bit more of a gamble for them because yeah, <clears throat> obviously what they're what they're doing is trying to introduce this narrative that National are doing fake news, that they're doing misinformation, that they're like Boris Johnson or they're like Donald Trump. Um, but insisting on a fact-based campaign when you don't have a great record of delivery to run on, as this government probably doesn't, you know, you probably don't want the fact-based assessments of where child poverty index measures are. You probably don't want the fact-based assessment of how many houses were built in Kiwi Build. Um, so it's it, that was a 50-50 call, but they're taking the chance because what they want to do is frame everything that National does as dirty politics. I think, to be fair, though, towards the end of the, the last campaign, um, what, how, how big was the fiscal hole? Was it 10? 11.7 big time. Which obviously didn't turn out to be true, but it ended up taking up a lot of oxygen during the campaign. So I imagine that this is also a move to try and parry those sorts of um, kind of red herring issues that um, end up taking a lot of, you know, time and space. And, and let's, 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 let's be honest, some of the kind of, uh, over the last month, some of the National Party social media output has stretch truth at the very least there have been some ASA findings about the um, credibility of some of the claims um, it's kind of sometimes I think people probably obsess about whether or not a bar graph is accurately rendered in terms of its kind of verisimilitude and statistics courses but it gets a bit silly but at the same time it makes sense for Labour to try and neutralise some of, some of that attack campaigning, right? Yeah, of course. That's why it's a good strategy. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no argument with that. But I, th I think that they are at risk of over-egging it. Um, you know, fake news, remember, as a term, 
originally described, you know, um, fake Facebook pages that were pretending to be CNN saying that Obama had made abortion mandatory. Yeah. Now fake news is, yeah, a bar graph that we don't like because it's yeah. not quite proportionate. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is this chance that they look like yeah. they're uh, getting a bit overexcited about everything. Yes. Um, well, we've, we've sort of solved, solved that, I, I think. Um, the, for, for, for Simon Bridges and the National Party... Annabelle, mm-hmm. the, one of their um, biggest decisions, or probably a decision that's been made, but announcement that we can expect, I think, probably in the early part of February, is what they will do or not do vis-a-vis working with New Zealand First, with whom there's been a very acrimonious relationship both between the parties and particularly between the leaders. Um Excuse me. Does Simon Bridges say, as John Key did in 2008, I think, does he say, nah, not going to do it, not going to work with New Zealand first and go a strategy of just trying to basically have the National Party with a little bit of David Seymour along the way? I don't know. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because David Seymour is polling much stronger than what um, than what he has in, in previous elections. I mean, they have to buddy up with someone. They can't. They can't go it alone. And I guess it's just going to be a calculated gamble as to whether or not they're prepared to put all their eggs into the the act basket, um, or um, or try and at least soften the the relationship. Um, with Winston, I, I tend to think that they'll probably, they probably see ACT as the safer, more reliable, less problematic option. Um, but I don't know if if um, if he's really in a position to absolutely rule out any chance of working with with New Zealand First, because I imagine that they'd rather work with New Zealand First than be in opposition again. But at the same time. Um, whether or not um, Winston would work with Simon is a whole other issue, and to be honest, I doubt he would. So there is that option of a, the the decapitation strategy, whereby day, um, uh, Simon Bridges says, "I will not work with the New Zealand First Party led by Winston Peters." Um, however, I am not ruling out the New Zealand First Party, Ben. Yeah, and. A New Zealand First Party led by Shane Jones would work perfectly well with National and probably better than it would with Labour. Um, Except that New Zealand First wouldn't clearly say mm-hmm. we wouldn't do that and we'll probably retort by saying... The, the obvious retort to that would be, well, we, we, we will consider the National Party as long as not read by, led yeah. by that. So, and then probably then they'd just kiss and make out and be I, fine. I, I think that a halfway house solution like that isn't isn't the best course for National. Um, I think What, what would you do? Your, it's your decision to make. You are um, the most powerful person in the National Party. I mean, this is this is a hypothesis. Might be true. I don't know. But I'm just, is it, hypothetically, what do you do? What is your advice? Stand up, give a press conference. New, newly cleared by the SFO, which we'll get onto later. Um, Simon Bridges says we are a party of integrity. Mm. There are so many questions swirling about New Zealand First's conduct in government and outside government. Um, we are not prepared to even countenance working with an organisation like that and I'm ruling them out as a coalition partner. Because the key, the, what's necessary but not sufficient for nationals to get into parliament is to knock out New Zealand first. 
And if if New Zealand first get over five percent, that's it. The the you know, Labour back in government because there is, there's no chance that Winston Peters will work with Simon Bridges. He hates him historically mm. because he beat him in Tauranga well, in 2008. Mm. These things are very important to Winston Peters um, and they've had a very fractious relationship since then. Peters but Winston Peters has surprised us a lot over the many centuries that he's been in, 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 in New Zealand politics and he is capable of burying hatchets. He's buried me he buried hatchets with you know straight away with with Jim Bolger. I feel like if, the if, older he gets though the longer he holds on to grudges. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I feel like he used to be like he used, he used to be a bit more pragmatic and he could bury hatchets when he needs to, but I feel like that side of him has started has evaporated over the years and once got, once he's been pissed off by someone or something he's like, "Nah, just like oh, this whole backyard is just full of hatchets, and like, there's no room for any more hatchets. Right, so, there aren't so even any saying? buried skeletons, just hatchets. Um, so it's the okay. So if that does happen, then if you're the Labour Party, don't you go? Well, we are campaigning on their strategy is we're campaigning on give us a chance to continue what we've started. The we've made we've made this this government work, this coalition government with. New Zealand First and Formal Coalition and Green and Support, and we have made it. We have made it work. Jacinda Ardern is, is the best placed person to make it work with that combination, and therefore, we are going to signal, as we did in the 2015 by-election in Northland, that we feel as though that 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 it's appropriate that that we don't contest that seat. Therefore, New Zealand First doesn't need to hit that hit that. Um, Five percent threshold because they get through on what's sometimes called the coattail provision, which is exactly the same thing that National will be repeating in Epsom with David Seymour. Therefore, that makes it more difficult for them to argue that's in any way a dirty deal, and probably, possibly, not definitely, uh, New Zealand First will get over the line. But more importantly, it means that anyone can vote for them without fearing as though their vote is going to waste. Yeah, um, the, but the thing to remember is that a lot of New Zealand First's vote are people who would like to see them in coalition with National mm. rather than Labor, mm. and even if you know, even if they get three percent, you know, that's that's not ideal for National, but that's much better than them on six percent because hopefully those voters would go to some are already flowing to Act as a result of Act um, Act's position on uh, the gun law reforms mm. um, as a result of. David Seymour's sort of weird marginal kind of identity politics culture wars with Golrez Garaman, which attract a certain type of voter, um, and on both sides. And um, yeah, it, it, you know, I I can't see any benefit in Bridges leaving the door ajar for Peters because he's not going to come in. He's he he. You know, it would be foolish for He'll Bridges to think that. All right. Well, there's more to talk about about that. We should also say that there are, um, according to several sources, going to be two referendums uh, underway at the election on September the 19th, one on legalising cannabis, the other on assisted dying, and we will get to those as uh, the year progresses. We haven't forgotten about them. We just, um, you know, uh, we've got places to be. Well, you've got somewhere to be, haven't you, Annabelle? Do, do you have some? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have anywhere to be. I've got to be at my house. <laughs> doing something else. I've got an appointment appointment with doing something else. This um the it's it's um it's been a strong start. I think I think it's hard to argue for 
to the year for Jacinda Ardern and, and her government who have been able to kind of set down the agenda the, 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 for now. Um, it's interesting, it was 11.7 billion, just struck me that 11.7 billion is not a strong, far away from 12 billion. This is almost as good as my book to Facebook segue. <laughs> so so we go from fiscal hole to fiscal uh, mountain. Mm. Uh, fis- fiscal, what can we do? Fiscal, what's a, what rhymes with hole? What, what's a assonant? Um, road. Uh, fiscal road? Well, there have been a lot of roads. Thanks, thanks Madeline Chapman. Um, there's a book out on March 31st. <laughs> Jacinda, the kind, kind of, kind of leader. A kind leader or a kind of leader? Kind Jacinda of Ardern. Kind of a leader. Oh, well, that'll be it. Turn Ardern will instead be people cutting out one of the words, moving oh, it. To, I'm giving them ideas. No, that's not. We do not endorse, <laughs> just to be we don't endorse cutting out books in, 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 in bookshops. Don't deface until you've, Madeline's until you've books. paid for them at Unity Books. What the fuck? <laughs> Something just fell off the wall, ladies and gentlemen. It's the spiritual intervention. There is a huge infrastructure deficit in the spin-off studio. Um, uh, there's Jane Yee from The Real Pod, which is uh, one of a, several other pods. She's, there's a, Annabelle's holding up a, her head, which I believe, because she now lives in California, uh, they hold up her head during... I cut out head during the podcast. Anyway, good episodes you, of Real Pod this week. Bachelorette, because the Bachelorette you're started. Into that. Yeah. yeah, maybe um, that the uh, the Bachelorette. Bells, you watching that? No, I just finished watching Cheer. Okay, uh, Cheers. That's no Cheer. The, I think it's called Maddie Cheers. Knows, Maddie knows. <laughs> What's Maddie? Cheer? What's Cheer? It's fucking awesome. Okay, but the Bachelorette. Um, <laughs> They've uh, got two bachelorettes. Two bachelorettes. Is there a way? Is like maybe that's a strategy in election. Maybe that's something for Simon Bridges. He could, he, they could, he could suddenly they could suddenly say there are two national party leaders, and um, it would be him and uh, yeah. The infrastructure announcement that came uh, this week, uh, twelve billion dollars spent. They've kind of loosened the belt a bit, uh, dropped some of the, those responsibility rules that was signalled at the end of last year. Twelve billion to be spent. Eight billion announced this week. Four billion to go into capital spending. Be announced in the budget. The most went on roads. We'll get into that for in a second. But it's. Do you think Grant Robinson was probably had this in the plan all along? Do you think that was kind of like when they were announced? They were hundred day plan. They got on with that. It was like basically, you know what we'll do. Everything. If everything's going okay, everything's sailing along all right. The economy isn't tanking. There's no massive, um, you know, uh, sort of Trump driven crisis in the global economy that we will loosen that stuff having proven that we're prudent we will loosen that that at the end of 2019 2020 start of election year i can see it now we'll be standing with a full uh the full the full the the full super group of ministers from across the coalition support party and announce eight billion sweet fucking dollars on mostly roads no, I, I don't think it was that. I don't think it was that exact thought. I don't know that it was definitely going to be infrastructure, but I, th- I think from the beginning when they had these uh, fiscal response, budget responsibility rules, I think they always knew that after a couple of years, once you've gained the public's trust, 
And once, more importantly, once you've got people clamouring for spending, then you've got basically carte blanche to do it to your satisfaction. It's the rope-a-dope strategy of government. You always say, oh, no, we couldn't possibly spend. Mm. The, the opposition starts telling you, you cowards, spend more money. Mm. You know, how dare you? And then when you do spend it, nobody can criticise you, even though you've blown your old budget responsibility rules. But is it, look, it's the right thing to do. They've they, they managed to calm all the fears that you know business had that they were under investing in infrastructure they've basically given business exactly what they want they've given national exactly what they wanted because it's it's a whole list of all these roads that you know that were you know were supposedly planned under national you know, there's a bit of crying going on from the opposition saying mm. they stole our ideas mm. as if it's really fucking revolutionary to think of like putting a road between two cities or something <laughs> And, you know, and, and I'm sort of serious about that. You know, sure, a lot of these projects were planned you know, under never, silent it's bridges. It's never a strong position to be arguing from when you're like, they stole our ideas and It's politics. like, yeah, now that's they're doing like, it and that's what you wanted. Yeah. So, you know. These are great ideas that we would do better. That's a kind of weak. Yeah, as my friend Matthew Houdin wrote in his column today that, um, you know, for some reason, Simon Bridges' argument is that the NZTA officials who would have been in charge of building the roads under him as Prime Minister are not going to be as good at building the exact same roads under Jacinda Ardern as Prime Minister. Mm. And, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's the same as, you know, journalists will spend a lot of time kvetching uh, and bitching about, you know, who got the scoop and who had the story half an hour before anyone else and readers don't care mm. and voters are very similar to that. I mean, you mm. know. Yeah. I went uh, yesterday to Jacinda Ardern's not the State of the Nation speech, which was billed as a State of the Nation speech by Business New Zealand and uh, heavily, heavily advertised that way in the sort of several hundred <laughs> introductory speeches that were given um, by their sponsors and Business New Zealand themselves. And they were loving her. Like, I've um, seen, I think, three speeches she's given to Business New Zealand audiences over the course of this, um, over the course of this government. And... They started off a lot, a lot shakier. You know, there was that we've got to ask you about business comp. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was uncomfortable, and you could feel it um, at times. And she was kind of nervous this time. She was, she was just easy. She just chuck up some PowerPoint slides, chatted about them. a graph with the correct Warm scale room, on the axes, a graph that was widely praised yeah. on left wing Twitter. Well, a perfect oh. graph. <laughs> <laughs> It was a perfect graph. Um, and yet, uh, I mean, the package itself, Annabelle, I don't know what you think. It was very, 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 very roady. Very roady. Um, yeah. With a little bit of public transporty, bike, cycle way type. Yeah. Mode change, as, people, as, yeah. as some have said um, in defense of it. But for the, the Greens, um, Henry Cook. Uh, described it as a massive defeat for the Greens, and it's hard to argue with that. I mean, there's 200 million or something for decarbonising and changing changing out some boilers and some schools and hospitals and stuff, and that's all cool. But you know, you kind of feel as though, and they can point to some of the rail projects, but wow, I mean, mm. that. Oh, do you feel like I feel like they're getting gazumped more by New Zealand First than by Labour, eh? Because when you look at the gains that New Zealand First is getting by comparison to mm. the Greens, and how outspoken Winston is about undermining their policies and stuff, and is that is that because of simply because of the leverage, which they clearly have more leverage, and they could they could they could 
bargain harder because they hadn't committed think, to one team or the other? I think that's part that of it, but I also think. Well, I think that's part of it, but I also think that he's just a wily old coyote who, you know, it ain't his first time at the rodeo, and mm. it's their first time being part of a coalition government, and I think he's just been. <coughs> more mm. skillful at, at getting what he wants and, out of the relationship. And he is Deputy I mean, Prime got, Minister and in yeah. Cabinet, which they're not. So mm. I guess that's... Part of it as well. I mean, they're two fairly new leaders, mm. you know, so... I mean, another thing, um, you know, there is a lot of uh, criticism of, you know, the road heaviness of this. But, you know, realistically, I think, you know, as, as, as you know, I was staying down at the lake for a few months at the end of last year... And, you know, you, you really, you know, I mean, this sounds like a dumb thing to say, right? But I spend most of my time in the city. So I'm like, oh, more public transport. Let's get more bike lanes or whatever. But, you know, vast, vast parts of the country do rely on roads. They rely on cars. They, you know, it's it's ludicrous to talk about, you know, a cycleway between Wairoa and, and Napier, you know? But these are roads that a lot of people use. Um and and also more more selfishly for the first time I tried the uh, Tauranga to Fakatane Expressway and it oh, fucking rules good, eh? yeah. and there should be more roads like that just you know well it's the it's the put, same. put, put, put sixteen billion dollars don't, into don't it. spend money on rules except the one I need to be on immediately is the I think general position but the not not point, me I'd pay I'd, I'd I'd do it more generously let everyone have that beautiful experience oh. Ben, they've brought us to tears, not for the first time on this podcast. <laughs> the broader point on the Greens and whether or not they are being fucked over, though. What I mean, you know, you, you if you if you look at this, I mean, zero carbon act, big, but you know, big win, um, big achievement. The welfare expert welfare advisory group, I think it was called, all, you know, almost nothing. Some changes mm, on sanction yeah. rules. Um, Marama Davidson, another speech I went to see this week, um, gave their State of the Planet <laughs> address, as they call it, um, was attempting to kind of um, uh, make the argument that the battle against climate change was inextricably linked to the battle for the and protection of the most vulnerable, um, uh, for uh, changes to welfare. But I don't know, like... What if they can they go back to their voters and say they've won a lot, or by contrast, will they be able to make the argument that yeah, we didn't get as much as we would have been able to get if you'd voted more of us into parliament? How does it? Well, I think I think what they'll be able to say to their voter base is that you know we helped to make sure that national didn't come back again, and we've been you know stable, responsible um, coalition partners, and and we've made some. Um, modest but important gains and and um, most importantly we've um, been a part of a government that's starting to unwind um, the years of um, underinvestment in hospitals and all of that sort of stuff. So I, mean, I, I imagine that's what they'll be selling. Yeah, and the other thing is, look, we're, you know, the Greens for a while now, it really seems like they have a floor of about 5% 
Um, and, and where are those other voters going to go? I can't see them going to, the, you know, the core Green voter is very left-wing, mm. much more to the left of any of the parties in Parliament or any of the parties that would be competing for that vote, like, you know, the Sustainable NZ Party, if that ever actually exists, mm. or the top. Mm. Um, so I, I think they're relatively safe. You know, mm. where, where can that vote go? Well, according to former Māori Party candidate and now disgruntled outside critic uh, Jack McDonald. Um, I don't know if he's a former uh, oh, no, Green he's, Party he's, member. He's a f- former candidate, current member. Yes. Also disgruntled critic from uh, the outside. And, 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 and currently and running a campaign for, for the his Green cousin, Devin yeah. Hacker, who's a very good candidate yeah. for... Yeah. Um, well, should we talk about that straight, right, right away? I was going to hold... Gonna, we are going to get to that, but the, the Māori Party is... On the comeback, we talked earlier about whether or not National had any dance partners. Well, they have been in government mm, twice with uh, with the uh, Māori Party, and uh, although Shay, what's the president's Wilson. name? Shay Wilson has 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 um, expressed some alarm this week at some of the National Party policy platform. But how are they looking? Who's? I mean, the, the, the Māori Party back. They seem suddenly to have got a. There's lots of talk about possible candidates. They talk about John Tame Hedda, Hedda yeah, so, possibly so, starting in Tamaki Makaura. There's yeah. Well, and um, this is the thing. So there's a lot of talk about a Māori Party revival, but you know, and I, I heard somebody commenting that the um, the the new Māori Party was much more left-wing and progressive and would slot mm. into a Labour government. And, I'm th- and then I heard John Tamahiri yeah. will be standing in Tamaki Makoto. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't quite figure out how that and all squares. About, pa- about about Pania Newton as well, which <laughs> seems a bit of a long shot. But, 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 I mean, the very fact, the first words you said, Ben, were talk about the Māori Party, which is a lot more than there's been for a long time, you mm. know? I mean... Yeah, but it's election time, so you'd expect that but that did start to be talk at, about at this it. Point? What do you think? Is it is it is it is it is it coming together? I think, I, I think it's a long shot, but I think they have a shot, and it really depends on what Labor delivers to Maori over you know between now and September. Mm. And I have to say, so far it doesn't look like a whole lot. So they're going to have to pull some rabbits out of the hat, and it'll be really interesting to see what the solution, what their solution is with um, Ihumatau. I think when people hear names like um, Deb Ngārewa Packer, people get excited, but then when it's followed up with John Tamihiri, you know, it just feels like the yester men of yesteryear. So I, I think that um, you know, and. In the absence of a really critical unifying issue, um, they really need to front up with some super exciting candidates, you know, of a Panya, Newton, Ilk, um, who, whose voices resonate with Māori. I don't think people like John Tamihiri do, Lance O'Sullivan. do that. Or Lance O'Sullivan. Um but who knows what will happen between now and then because I feel like if the Oranga Tamariki issue mm. had broken in like, um, you know, July, August mm. this year mm. or if Ihumatao had happened in July, August this year, then possibly we could see, I, I highly doubt, a clean sweep of the, you know, of the Māori seats. But depending on what or here. Uh, an issue happened and you know they could cherry pick one or two Mm. Um, but you know a a lot of 
you know, p- political successes about timing. So I guess we just have to see what happens over the next couple of months. But again, it'll be really interesting to see um, what Labour has in store for Māori mm. um, over the next, you know, six to eight months. The 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 next week is um, Waitangi week, and um, I think Jacinda Ardern will be up there for a good few days, as she has been the last couple of years. She in 2018 gave a speech that was that was very warmly received mm. and, and had quite a lot of impact in which she invited um, everyone to she, she invited <coughs> um, Dia Māori to hold her to account she mm. said hold me to account you know don't these aren't, don't let these just be words I want you to hold me to account and those <coughs> were words that were mentioned directly and repeatedly and pointedly in the by the group of mostly dames um, in the complaint over the Whanau order mm. funding and the way that they felt that that had been taken back to the... back Wellington had tried to reclaim control of Whanau order. Um, on top of which, the Prime Minister's office had apparently failed to respond to a letter from Tariana Turia, which seems incredible, incredibly dumb. Mm. I mean, I talked to a national MP recently about that and I was told that if that had happened um, in any minister's office there had been a failure to respond to someone who had mana in whatever community then they would have been called into Wayne Eagleson's office and given a proper rap over the knuckles. Maybe this has happened here but it seems incredible. Yeah. Yeah, very slow to respond apparently. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the Prime Minister being held to account um, you know, if you look at uh, the the number of Maori children in state care, it's at an all time high. Um, as I talked about in a column that I wrote when she did go to Waitangi, you know, the importance of um, kanohi kite kanohi and you know rangatira being um, visible. I think um, there's still a lot of um, mamai that she didn't go to Ihu Matau. Mm. Um, I think, um, yeah, there's certainly some issues. The whānau order one is complex and I don't see whānau order as as a flashpoint issue. For Māori, there's a, a, a... sector of Māori to whom it is very important and there's some interesting stuff happening there like at the moment there's only three commissioning bodies that service the whole of New Zealand and if we really believe in devolving power to to Māori and to communities then it seems like only having three is not enough and that you know you really want those bodies to be more community based and so therefore you'd want more and you'd want them spread out across the country and I think there's certainly resistance um, to that although I understand it's something that Penny Henare is very much in support of so there's some tension mm. around that but I don't see that as an issue that that really unifies well, the other thing, a wide number of, of Māori. As, as I understand it, fun order through the commissioning agencies funding hasn't actually been cut back at all. Mm. Um, but what, what's happened is that there are, there are other 
programs that have been funded which are just controlled by central government that have been given the whanau order branding mm-hmm. so this is a, so in part it's actually just an argument about you know who owns the ip for what yeah. is whanau order well except there was the fund the you know there was a budget increase in whanau order yeah. funding so the, you know the people who were responsible for the disbursement and the kind of decision-making around that mm. are going to be a bit disappointed if they're I, losing that, I guess. I think the latest charge was led by John Tamihiri, and I think there's some scepticism because on one hand there's <coughs> chest-beating about not enough money going into whānau order, and of course, you know, the more money that's used to target, you know, Māori because communities, he's, he's the, the chief better. Of the commissioning agency for the North Island for Māori. That's right, but then on the flip side, there was a big story last year about how whānau order um, banked, I think it was a $900,000 profit, so on one hand, they're asking for more, but on the other hand, they're still able to, to bank, you know, significant chunks of money that presumably could have been used to, to do the work that they want to do. It's a very Bill English sort of argument. <laughs> Richard Preble, I've been thinking. <laughs> um, um, and just quickly on Emata, there's there was a suggestion that a deal was very Eminent. close to being se- mm. secured. Barney and Newton seemed very happy when she fronted media and yep. the king, the, king uh, the, the business genius the, who the, apparently brokered the solution. I mean, it sounds like the fences, flag. fences coming away was actually just a coincidence, but it had an effect of being a kind of catalyst and then the flag came down and... Uh, there was talk of a deal before Waitangi Day. How are you reading it? Then Winston Peters came out in a bow and said, oh, 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 not so fast. It's not as close as you think it might be. And it had that kind of grinding sound that we've become a bit familiar with in relation to the, the three strikes and the, the, and the freeze frame. The thing that's interesting about him is that he doesn't even try to be diplomatic in those situations. Like, there's no thought to, like, undermining the mana of the government or the Māori MPs. Like, he's just like, nah, not doing that. But isn't nah, that part of the New Zealand first he has? You know, strategically that's... Yeah, you know, absolutely. And because just like we were talking about earlier, his, you know, half of his voters don't like the Labour government mm. he's part of. And stopping them or being the handbrake is a really, really big part of yeah, his yeah, appeal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. not to... But, but, I mean, it was amazing to me how quickly uh, Shane Jones and Winston Peters were both... Especially Shane Jones was just saying outright, yeah, we stopped this capital gains tax. We did it, you know. Mm, um, yeah. and, 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 and maybe fair enough, you know, that is, that's there. So what do you reckon, Annabelle? What's your, what's, your, what's your guesstimate on whether or not the Humatel, kind of the kind of deal that's been negotiated by the Kingitangan theory is going to happen? What when's it going to happen? Yeah, is or it going to happen? What, what is, is it going to happen? Like? Well, the idea is that well, the, something's got to ha- happen. Yeah. So there'll be some sort of deal, whether or not it's one that makes Pania smile or not. I don't know, but mm. I mean, if they have been able to negotiate the return of the land, that is such a huge historical, massive win for Maori, and it does you know potentially crack open the issue of um, the use of private land for settlements, which mm. is, is long overdue for for review. I found this on the web. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I was just pressing your phone, Annabelle, <laughs> to try and see how much, how long we'd gone—fifty yeah. minutes—and I think I pressed a button where it did an automatic search on something, mm. and it um, found this on the web. What did they find? Cora. I don't know what I said that made that. That sounded like Quora. Anyway, apologies, Quora. apologies. I hate Quora sends me all these emails and it's all like questions about Star Wars trivia. Like it's like, why did some guy beat another guy in a lightsaber duel even though he lost twice to another guy in a lightsaber duel? Mm. And then all of these experts pile in. Sounds Quora.com. Why, why did he beat? I, uh, oh, uh... I can't remember. I did read it to my shame and having clicked on it, that means now I'm inundated with all these nerd emails. Like I'm just collapsed That's under an avalanche of... It was an accident. It's, I hate it. Um, the, the thing is you can't irony click on anything now because the algorithm can't tell that you just hate clicking. Um, it thinks you're genuinely look, interested just in the Star Wars Before we nonsense. lose our last three listeners, I'd like to move swiftly on to... The Look, don't not so loud. You'll wake up mad. <laughs> um, books published March thirty one. The election year in New Zealand, and of course, it has a kind of the political El Nino effect returns. And so far, it looks like it could be a serious fraud office, which announced this week it has charged four people in relation to donations to. The National Party. We do not know who the those four people are. Who could Party. it be? We know that. Um, Mad, you ruled yourself out. I saw that on Twitter. You, you are not in one of the people who's been, been charged. I haven't been charged. No, no. you haven't been charged. But, I mean, I don't want to speak too much about it. Okay. On the record. Um, Annabelle, have you, you have, have you, do you want to rule yourself out or? I don't. Th- I, I don't think. I've, I mean, I've got legal representation You've, anyway, just in case. Just, but officially, no, I'm um, not. I'm not among. The, I, the I can say I have, I mean, I've got a lot of unopened emails, so, but of those I've seen, I've not been charged. Ben? Clean sheet. Um, Still at large. Answer the question, have you been charged been in relation charged. to... No charges in relation to National Party donations. We also know mm. that Simon Bridges, who would say the same thing if he were here, he quickly put a press release out saying Simon Bridges, neither Simon Bridges nor the National Party have been charged, so we don't know who's been charged. We haven't heard anything from Jamie Lee Ross yet, but it is does make for a potential soap opera in... It's very serious, of Botany. course. It's not the soap opera fraud office. It's a serious fraud office. It's a very serious soap opera um, in election year that, that we could have rehearsing over again all the... Could be more recordings. I mean, it's unlikely to make it in court. There's unlikely to be a trial in, 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 in the court, but these are criminal charges. There's going to be a hearing in late February in the district court. The and wheels of the SFO turn slowly. Do they? Mm, very slowly. Very, very, very Although this is a pretty slowly. fast investigation. Very fast actually. by comparison. Mm. I mean, I suppose they can't be making announcements like this with a, when a campaign's underway, so I guess... I mean, the other, the other thing is that the, the I mean, the, the fact of the announcement is, a, I think, significant. I used to cover a lot of SFO cases when I was a journalist. They have a very, very high winning percentage on cases. In the last financial year, it was 100% of every case they um, took resulted in a custodial sentence. 
um, they should take more cases then. That, well, this is the, this is the criticism. The criticism is is that they are very they're overselective about the cases that they take, and their threshold because they wait for slam dunks and yeah. they have a really high threshold. For yeah, the and their threshold, need. their money threshold's too high as yeah, well. Yeah, and so, so it's re- so it is it is you know interesting. We can't obviously conclude anything or prejudge anything. We absolutely can't. But of course not. But we can we can just speak abstractly in general about the fact that it's very interesting that they've then brought a case and and probably the reason for that is because in a lot of these cases very hard to show intent or fraudulent mm. intent without like significant documentary evidence um, so for instance you know we've had irregular donations in the past in mm. New Zealand that have been disclosed by donors mm. or other and, and generally the conclusion as well we can't you know the authorities investigate and they go, well, we, we, we just have to assume it was human error. And you do have to assume that. And But but this is an interesting case because obviously somebody who is very connected into the donations system basically turned themselves in, <laughs> you know, whether they've now been charged or not, we don't know, um, with all of their material. Mm. So, mm. Well, you know, it was a, it was a spectacular, spectacular moment in, in politics when all that happened and, that, and it sort of... Felt like Simon Bridges, who's not been judged, was um, had sort of survived it and almost come out stronger. But even though he's not, you know, he, he he's he, he's not himself uh, at risk of culpability. It's not it's not exactly welcome, is it? You don't necessarily need to have a a replay of that running. I mean, the other thing to say about it is, in terms of precedent is that assuming it is relating to the original investigation and not something that. Has, that they've discovered in the course of that mm, investigation, yeah. which is also possible. It could be people completely unrelated to this original investigation. That, um, but as Andrew Geddes has pointed out in his piece for the spinoff.co.nz, that would be unprecedented. There's never been uh, a, a SFO have never laid charges, mm. criminal charges over, 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 over that sort of thing. And then we also ha- have no idea what will happen with the uh, uh, inquiries into... The New Zealand First controversy oh, yeah. around their donations. So the New Zealand First Foundation. The New Zealand that. First Foundation. So that is another. That's another. Oh, that's another. Sorry, there was me. Um, that's another unknown, known unknown. Is it a known unknown? We don't. That's a, don't that's know. a known unknown. That's a known unknown, ladies and gentlemen. And um, so we'll, 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 we'll. Who knows how soon we might find out about that? It's going to be an interesting year. You got anything else to say, Annabelle? We've come in under an hour, mm. just. Yeah, so interesting. All of it, though. Every every minute of it was of the, compelling. Oh, the say. podcast. Yeah. yeah Don't I, you think? Yeah. Mad did. Mad loved it. She stayed awake the we. whole time. <laughs> um, uh, it's been fun having you on the podcast, man. When's your book out? On, uh, Is it on the, the 31st kind of, of March? Yeah. 31st of March. Yeah. Um, thank can, you, I, can I pre-order it anywhere? Uh, Unity yes, Books or Flick Google Electric. Jacinda Ardern and my name. Yeah, something will come up. Okay. Two great names. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm add by. I'm, I'm gonna be like job Jacinda Ardern <laughs> plus Madeline Chapman plus by. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That'll pre-order. Pre-order. No, buy. B-U-Y. Oh, B-U-Y. B-U-Y. Buy. Isn't buying the book. 
Okay, we'll be leave back it with there. another <laughs> Gone by Lunchtime podcast very soon. We'll do some more. We're going to get some lot of. Uh, we're going to have a meeting and get um, more. We're going to have guests. Who asked? Master. We're going to have a meeting. Um, well, um, as Jacinda Ardern said of the infrastructure program, it's uh, better, faster, and funded. And our podcasts are going to be better and faster in 2020. But not fact based. Or funded. Or positive. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.